This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. After years of consuming queer books, podcasts, shows and movies, and talking about them to literally everyone willing to listen, I have finally been given a platform to convert the masses. My name is Elliot Bastian, I use they-them pronouns, and this is Stride with Pride. Prepare to be enlightened. Hey there everyone, I hope you've had a good day, week, month, however long it's been since you last listened. Welcome to new listeners and welcome back to returning ones. Now, as you may have noticed, I'm not Alex. They have graciously handed over the reins, as it were, for an episode to let me info dump about queer representation and media, so be prepared to get a heck ton of book recs. I'll list some of my favourite pieces of queer media at the end of the episode. So far this year, I have read 35 books. 95% of which have some variety of queer rap. I've also watched a ton of movies, shows and videos online and listened to a ton of podcast episodes. Over the past few years, I have consumed a significant amount of queer content and that has given me a pretty good understanding of queer representation and media. So I'm going to break it down into more easily digestible chunks. First, the importance of representation and media. The importance of representation and media can be broken down into sort of four parts. Education, normalization, diversity, and validation. First, education. If there's a ton of representation in media, then a lot more people are going to learn about that representation. We want people to know about queer identities and what they mean. People have those identities. We want people to know about all that stuff. A lot of people learn about different identities Through media, they watch a show that has some character who's queer in it and learn about that identity. And this is pretty consistent for a lot of queer people themselves. They first learn about their identities through media. So it's super important to have a lot of representation so that more people can understand themselves. Another part is normalization. We want queer identities to be normalised. We want it to be normal. We don't want this sort of stigma around all our identities. We want people to understand them and for queer identities to be normal. We also want diversity. Third part of representation. We want diverse characters, a whole range of characters. We want trans ones, we want non-binary ones, we want gender fluid ones, we want ace ones, we want gay ones, we want lesbians, we want bi characters, we want pan characters, we want polyam characters, we want arrow characters, we want all sorts of queer characters. And part of diversity and queer rep in media is also accuracy. So many people in the world are queer and so if there's no queer rep in media then that media is not accurate to the world. So many people are bi. A good chunk of people are bi. (laughs) So when there are no queer characters in media, you're cutting off a huge chunk of your audience who could relate to those characters. And also validation. 
Representation is important because it validates people and their identities. It shows them that it's okay to be who they are. It teaches them that these things are good, they're normal, all that sort of thing, all that great stuff, you know? And so representation in media, especially queer rep, is so important. Next part. How representation differs between different types of media. So... You've got representation in books, you've got it in shows, movies, anime, podcasts, graphic novels, comics, games, kids media, international shows, just different types of media. And you get different vibes from the representation in those different types, you know? Like, in recent years, especially post-quarantine, or post-start of quarantine in other countries... There have been, there's a lot more queer books have been released, significantly more. And a lot of those are by queer authors. But the vibe of representation in books often differs from that of representation in shows, like adult TV shows. A lot of the characters that are queer are adults and, well... If you think about it, a significant chunk of that representation in books is in the young adult genre. There is, of course, stuff in adult fiction and children fiction as well, middle grade, all those different genres and things and demographics, but a good chunk of it is in young adult fiction. There's some new adult as well, and that's important to acknowledge because of some of the content of books and them being lumped into Young adult when they're not actually, but that's a bit of a tangent. But in TV shows with queer rep, a lot of the characters are adults and older than those in queer books because of how much of the queer rep is in young adult fiction. And so it might be harder for younger audiences to relate to the characters in TV shows or same goes with movies. Adults, once again, so younger audiences either aren't exposed to those because of the content of the movies or interest then there's things like anime and chinese historical dramas where often the representation won't be explicit queer rep it'll be subtext or queer coding to get it past senses and then there's podcasts podcasts are i would say very queer Simply because, unlike with books, which have to be picked up by publishers, podcasts can be made by anyone. And so a lot of queer people use podcasts to display queer rep, to create queer characters when, and write queer narratives when, with books, they might not have been able to get those characters published because of discrimination in the publishing industry. And so a lot of podcasts have good queer rep. It's also important to talk about good and bad queer rep. There's things like negative stereotypes and bad tropes and also queer subtext versus queer baiting versus queer coding and explicit rep versus casual rep versus word of God rep. With stereotypes, there's a lot of negative stereotypes about ways to portray queer characters there's the trope of having 
all of your non-binary characters or your ace characters or arrow characters be non-human, be robots. And that can be really harmful. There are instances where robot characters, cyborgs, alien characters can be good queer rep, but it's not great when your only ace or arrow or non-binary characters are non-human. The key to this sort of thing is variety in your queer characters. <laughs> Not all non-binary people are going to be the same. So if you've got multiple non-binary characters and like some of them are robots or some of them are aliens, then yeah, great, that's cool. It's about variety. There are other negative stereotypes as well. The big like overarching one is that all of your queer characters are skinny, are white, are able-bodied, are neurotypical. When in reality, there is so much intersectionality in queer people with neurodivergence and mental illness and people of colour and <laughs> not just with queer people, but everyone, with not everyone's skinny. <laughs> not, not everyone's skinny. I don't know why this is something that needs to be acknowledged, but... <sighs> There's an issue with lots of people having their only gay characters being flamboyant, effeminate, skinny white men, or their only bisexual character be overly flirtatious or sexual, or your trans woman as predators, or arrow characters as cold and heartless, or shallow and exploitative, and leading people on for one-night stands. People portray ace characters as naive, pure, ignorant of all things sex, infantilizing them. So many non-binary characters are androgynous, afab, skinny white people, and trans boys are soft uwu babies to be protected. There's a trope of having your only lesbians being masked lesbians, one of the guys, and while it's important to include masked lesbians, it's not great to have to portray your only female or femme, or woman-loving woman characters be masculine as if that's trying to make it straight somehow. So, there's all these bad stereotypes people use in their characters with queer rep. And yes, it's good to have queer rep, but sometimes you've got to do it well. <laughs> you've got to be thoughtful about your rep. And I a good way to like make sure you're not playing into harmful stereotypes is variety. Once again, because an example of this could be the podcast Magnus Archives. There's two explicitly bi characters would have been acknowledged as bi and not just some other identity like Pan, but two bi characters and one is Ace and portrayed as not sexual or flirtatious and the other bi character is flirtatious and the way those interact to show that they're not stereotyping bi characters to all be flirtatious and sexual and interested in hooking up with everyone <laughs> then it's good because variety <laughs> once again there's also the issue of tropes like bur bury your gaze where you have one gay character and you kill them off before the end of the story. It's not great rap. More in good versus bad rap. 
queer subtext versus queer baiting versus queer coding. Sometimes when a piece of media was written or made, it was not possible for the creator to include explicit queer rep because of censoring or safety of the writer or anything like that. And so they might have included queer-coded characters instead of explicitly queer characters or queer subtext in the narrative. The difference between these two and queer baiting is huge. Queer baiting is when people, the creators of the story, intentionally mislead or imply that characters are queer to get a queer fan base invested in the characters when in reality they have no intention of making that canon. And so the difference is queer subtext is intentional and including a queer narrative in the story where it is intentionally placed, these characters are written that way intentionally, but the creator decided not to make it explicit for a number of reasons, and, like, that's okay. And the same with queer coding. Maybe a character just seems super gay, just so gay, very gay, but, like, it's not canon. And so there's always this little bit of, like, suspicion. Like, hmm, but what if? But there's a difference between queer coding and queer baiting when it's intentional and it's a part of the character and not just some secret little thing implied to exploit people. It's different. And, yeah, it's great to have explicit queer rep versus, like, casual representation. But, um, it's still good stuff. We want it. We want it all. We want it all. <laughs> and then there's, like, word of God rep where it wasn't included in the story. But after it's published or it's come out or something, the creator, like, goes onto Twitter and say, actually, yes. This character is gay. And there are instances when that can be, like, thoughtful. Like, oh, I didn't realize when I was writing this character that I was writing them in a queer way. But looking back on it, yeah, this strikes a lot of notes with queer readers or watchers or whatever. And... I see where you're coming from, and yeah, I think you're right. I think this character is bi or something. And so it can be good, but a lot of the time, like with J.K. Rowling and Dumbledore, like, hmm, hmm, no, it's a bit not great. If you don't include it in your actual story, a lot of the time it's not going to be good, rep. So, hmm. There's also the... Something that I think is important to acknowledge when talking about queer representation in media is own voices rep. So this means 
queer content created by queer creators. So like a bi writer writing a bi character that's own voices rep for bisexuality. Something that this is important because it shows authenticity in the character. You can trust that the writer knows where they're coming from. They are sharing experiences that they've had and so it's not just coming from stereotypes but this can also be not great because a lot of people have formed this opinion that only people who are queer can write queer stories which goes against the whole idea of normalizing and diversifying queer media. If we want more queer media, then not just queer people are going to be able to write it. And there are ways to write media without being queer and include queer characters well. There's research that people can put into their writing. They can talk to queer people. They can hire sensitivity readers, which are super useful to make sure that they're not doing anything harmful with their characters. And an issue with only saying that queer authors can write queer stories or queer creators can write queer narratives is that it pressures a lot of people into coming out when they're not ready. Because people can start harassing creators online saying, why do you think you have the right to write these queer characters when you're not queer? And them having to divulge this part of themselves they're not ready to in order to get people to stop. An example of this is with Becky Albertelli, she was forced to come out as bi last year after writing her book Simon vs. the Homo Sapien Agenda, Leah on the Offbeat, and her other short novella that I cannot remember the name of but exists, and the other book that she wrote that I also cannot remember the name of but exists. Um, <laughs> they exist, I swear. Um <laughs> And she was forced to come out because people were harassing her online religiously, just saying, this is not good rep. You are not queer. So these books aren't good because a queer person didn't write them. And she had to, she was forced to come out. And like, if you're queer, you should know. You shouldn't force anyone to come out. You shouldn't out anyone. You shouldn't make anyone come out before they're ready. All that good shit, you know? And yes, Own Voices content is important. It's great. We should definitely be lifting marginalized voices. But we don't want queer content to be limited to queer creators. Because once again, it forces people to come out. If they want to write about queer characters, it means we'll have less of it when in reality we want more. So 
queer representation in media there's there's a lot to it you've got like so many different important reasons for it and i think another important reason is um because i want it cuz cuz i want it i want it a lot i want more queer books i want more podcasts and movies and tv shows i don't really play games but they'd be cool too I like graphic novels those are great i want more and something that's really great is june june just started and 1st of june a bunch of queer books came out start of pride month a bunch of queer books and i've got a few of them on the way or on my wish list or on my bookshelf currently because i spend too much money on books and they all look so good and people should definitely be looking into getting more queer books for pride month and supporting queer authors and that sort of thing hurrah please <laughs> i want more <laughs> And so, after listening to me for a good long while, our week's creator spotlight is many creators. I'm just going to list a ton of books that I think you should read because they're queer and they're good. And I've got some podcasts as well. They're gay and they slap. Okay, so start off with any books and graphic novels by Alice Oseman. They're all queer. They're all great. It's gay and it slaps. Then, any books by Mason Diva. They're a great author. They've written two books and some short stories. The books are I Wish You All the Best, non-binary main character, and The Ghosts We Keep, which just arrived yesterday <laughs> for me. Also non-binary main character. Um, any books by V.E. Schwab, Victoria Schwab. She's gay. She writes books that are good. Some of them have queer rep. It's great. Read them. The Murderbot Diaries. My all-time favorites. By Martha Wells. So much casual queer rep. So much. I love them. <laughs> um, Gideon the Ninth. By Tasman Muir. I think you say it. But she's a queer New Zealand author, and the books are queer, and they're amazing, and I love them, so read them. Six of Crows Duology by Lee Bardugo, queer, found family, heists, Raven Cycle, and the Dreamer Trilogy by Maggie Savada, queer, found family, great stuff. House on the Cerulean Sea and the Extraordinaries by T.J. Clune, queer, good. As I mentioned, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertelli. It's queer and it slaps. Graphic novel, Chick Please by Nozi Ukazu. It's gay and it slaps. It's so good. Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. It's trans. It's gay. It slaps. An absolutely remarkable thing. By Hank Green. Alex's favourite second one well i'm I'm just I'm, you start on the first and the second okay and the second one so there's an absolutely remarkable thing and a beautifully foolish endeavor by hank green both books in the series gracefully grayson by amy polonsky 
it's trans, it's gay, you should read the trigger warnings, it slaps. <laughs> Another one you should read the trigger warnings for, <laughs> The Tarot Sequence by KB Edwards. Very gay, very slaps. <laughs> I love them, I love them. If you want some books for younger readers, Magnus Chase by Rick Riordan. Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard is the series. I mean, you may recognize Rick Riordan from Percy Jackson. They're so good. They're so good. And some podcasts, because I love podcasts. I haven't actually listened to that many, but I've listened to long ones, so it counts. The Penumbra podcast. Main, well, there's two main storylines. I've listened to one of them, Juno Steele's storyline. Juno is bi and non-binary, and I love him. So much projection from me. Um, the Magnus Archives, as I mentioned, by Jonathan Sims. Queer. Horror. should probably read the episode-by-episode episode trigger warnings, <laughs> because it's horror, and it's scary, but it's gay. <laughs> And it slaps. Um, a D&D podcast that I've listened to, The Adventure Zone, by the McElroy brothers and their dad. There's different campaigns that I've listened to. The Balance campaign has queer characters, and it's great, and so does the Amnesty campaign, but I'm not past those yet. And, yeah, queer media, it, it's good. It's great. It's got representation. It's good. It's very good. And so I'm going to finish up. So as usual, you guys are great. 10 out of 10. Very queer. I love you. I haven't met you, but you're great. If you're trans, it makes you sexier. So goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And I've remembered... Alex, Alex won't, wait, no, Alex will be back next week, my bad, yes, they will be back, I won't be back, well, I'll probably be back in little bits, in little bits, but don't forget to spread your joy, see ya. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.